The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Our guests this week on the program are the two halves of electro-pop duo Le Flair. Le Flair recently sold out a string of shows. <laughs> They're already excited across the UK and Europe before even releasing a single track by using the power of word-of-mouth marketing. Our guests have spoken frequently on the subjects of sparking organic user-generated content from fans and attracting social ringleaders, and you can find out more about their work by visiting www.leflair.bandcamp.com. We are happy to welcome Kai and Lyron from Leflair onto the Break the Business podcast. Hi, guys. Oh, I'm already loving the energy coming from you, too. You must be so excited for this, as excited as I am. This is... Oh, yeah, this was quite a thing to put together. Your publicist, from what you guys told me, is from Australia. You two are based in the UK. I'm here in Miami, Florida, USA, and somehow we've made all of this work without any of our computers catching on fire, which is great because I'm excited to talk to you. Um, before we get cooking and, and, ta- and, and really start talking about the uh, power of word of mouth marketing and what it's done for your music, Kai, can you start us off by telling us just a little bit about Le Flair's sound? Um, well, you know, sometimes it's a little bit hard if people ask us, because people usually only ask, what do you guys sound like? And we sometimes really have a difficulty to say that, but I think it's kind of a good thing that we don't really know what we sound like, because, I mean, otherwise we'd be copying the sound of somebody. But I'd say it is dark electronic pop. There's a couple of elements from Lord in there, some popier stuff. But yeah. we both really have a background in like 80s um, pop as well and a lot of 80s elements that we mix in there. So I guess it's a fun mixture between 80s and modern day pop. So, Lyron, let me let me get your perspective on the sound here. One of the things that I find interesting when I talk to duos is in terms of their musical vision, sometimes I talk to duos where both of them say, we really had similar tastes in music, and so that's why we started to make music together. And then I talk to the duos that say, we had very differing musical perspectives, and we came together and blended them together to create the music that you're listening to today. What would you say is the situation with La Flair? Wow. Uh, we couldn't have been more opposite. Okay. I think I was like proper, like the Rolling Stones and the Doors and like he was dressing up like he was from that kind of <laughs> time, like full on like boots and all of that and leather. And I was really into 80s. I was really into like synth pop, I guess. And then we kind of created our own thing. You know, we came up with like really different spaces, I guess. So Kai, did you guys find that it was easy to blend your different styles together or did it, or, or was there some conflict, but ultimately it created some better art? I really don't think there was any ever like conflict. We yeah. didn't really have any conflict about like the sounds we want, the direction the music wants to go to. I think we just kept sending each other music that we liked 
and we kind of like both grew and found like our one music taste now that we basically have like now except if i listen to music i know basically exactly if lyron will like it or what her opinion of it is so it took us a little bit just to like find the things we both like and turn them into something cool but now there's definitely like no problems anymore we always know what we're looking for <laughs> in music well, yeah, I feel like we changed a lot as well. Like we met like three years ago, and we really changed. Like our oh, tasty music is so much like we listen to everything. You know, it's not as specific as what it used to be. Now, yeah, that's a great thing. We don't just do music together. We also just like explore more music together and like widen our. Now, Lyron, when Kai says that you send each other files. Do you, when you two collaborate, are you collaborating remotely from separate places or do you spend time together physically as well when you create? I don't think we have one way to do it. Like it depends on the song. Like he normally send me like little snaps. He would send me like a minute of like something. He'll send me like so many of them. And then I would choose like the thing that I like and then I would just sing on it. I would send it back. And that's normally how we start. And then if we kind of like get something, we would meet and we would kind of like work on it together. Awesome. It sounds like we're only meeting up when we get a really good idea. That's but right. we also do so it. It happens once a year. But it's like, it's like, <laughs> if, no I'm not getting out of bed unless you bring me something really good, Kai. <laughs> basically, basically. It doesn't happen a lot, no. <laughs> All right. That's that's really cool. It's it's really interesting to hear the story of how you guys collaborate. And I want to turn the discussion now to this idea of word of mouth marketing. So, Kai, you two have spoken recently a lot about how you were able to sell out a string of events in Europe without utilizing any sort of algorithmic discovery tools or other kind of tech based marketing strategies and instead relied primarily on word of mouth marketing to sell out these shows even before you had released a single song. What does it mean to utilize word of mouth marketing in that way? How did you possibly do this? Well, the thing was like when we started doing music, we wanted to avoid to just like release songs and songs that like don't go anywhere. Um, so we thought about, okay, let's release one song. But before we release the song, we need a couple of people that are interested in what we're doing. So let's do some live shows. Then we were like, how do we get people to do live shows? Well, advertisement in the UK and in America it's pretty expensive. Like it's much more expensive to advertise than to people in like South America or something. So we really thought it's not worth it because the money that we will earn with the shows will not be recoupable. So we thought, why not do a bit more of a traditional approach, use word of mouth marketing, but use social media for it. So we didn't use a lot of word of mouth marketing in the streets, but we created content targeted for social media that would inspire people and our friends to bring other people to the shows to create some sort of buzz. And actually not having released a lot of songs helped us with that because people were like, why is this band putting out so much stuff about their live show? They don't even have a single song release. <laughs> what is coming? And then we started building like a light show and we started telling our friends that mm -hmm. we like bringing so much equipment to all these shows and they were all like what are you guys doing you don't even have a song release or anything <laughs> so that kind of helped us to like you know build up some hype mobilize our friends and the friends of their friends and yeah so that was kind of like our approach with that because we found london shows to be really 
not all of them, but a lot of them to be very boring or straightforward, you know, just like some people plugging in some guitars on the stage and just starting to play. So we wanted to go like a step beyond that and see if that helps us to do a couple of shows, even if we don't have an album out yet. It almost sounded like not having a song out was almost part of the marketing strategy. It added to your mystique. People were like, who is this LaFlair that hasn't put out music yet, but yet I'm seeing them all over social media. I got to find out more about this groove. Yeah, yeah that definitely cool. helped because so many other artists just like, you know, they release a song every couple of weeks because that's good for the algorithms. That's good to grow via Spotify and stuff like this. But we just didn't want to like put out that material, that much material just straight from the beginning on so we thought about let's build the fan base first let's build the live shows first and then give people more songs when they actually (laughs) are waiting for them you know i gotta dig into more about what this actual social media strategy looked like how did you like get interest in social media without music i mean i can't imagine that you guys were just tweeting out a tweet every day or two that just said hey we're a band like how do you how do you start with no content and build a social media strategy that actually gets followers and engagement? Um, we do a lot of photo shoots, like really fun photo shoots. We like dressing up. We've got kind of our own style. We keep changing our style. Um, <laughs> so that was a big thing. I think people really liked the way people were like, who are these guys? Like they liked our vision, you know? And the visuals, uh, and also like how we collaborated with these artists on the photo shoots themselves. So was there was it about connecting with others and networking? Like, uh, were you reaching out to particular influencers that maybe had a lot of following? Was it about reaching out to other artists that could connect you with their communities of artists? I mean, I can't imagine if you're if you're just tweeting out photos. I mean, you know, you're tweeting and you have no followers, then your photos hitting no followers. Like, how do you even how are you getting your how are you getting these photos and these posts in front of people? Well, I feel like one way we did was obviously like we have our own social media channels and we have the one for our band and for our music. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we obviously try to link it in a way that like the one about music is not just about music, but also about us to really engage the people that already follow us and give them some more insight into the process. But vice versa on our private channels, really show people that follow us and our friends how hard we're really working on this project and since how long we've been working on it. Um, so everybody that kind of like built up some sense of like urgency that people wanted to really know what are we even working on? Because we didn't <laughs> tell people what we're working on. We didn't show our friends the music. We didn't post any clips of it. We really tried to keep a sense of like keeping it private and personal and then still collaborating with other artists and creatives to fill up that band page and that in combination really helped us but also obviously social media activity like Lauren and I both have schedules how we like comment engage on social media I feel like that's just the important stuff you have to do nowadays with the algorithms you kind of like have to feed them post at certain times and engage at good rates with people and also obviously like reposting resharing a lot because our live show is so visual people tend to take a lot of videos and photos of it and then by reposting those things and retagging them 
that really helped. So the live show really was kind of like the center of all of our social media things because we showed people that we worked on it, create hype through that. And then when the live show was actually happening, people were engaged to take photos and videos. By the way, we designed the light show. So yeah, that really helped us. And it was kind of like the center of our social media. I'm hearing a lot of great advice on your end for how to execute an effective social media strategy. I heard connecting with others. I heard being purposeful and making sure that you constantly feed the algorithm with plenty of posts that you, you know, you scheduled time for that. I heard making the process something that is part of your social media strategy, letting people in on your creative process and how you're putting this project together. So much great advice there. I want to talk to you now, uh, Lyron, about the last piece of what Kai talked about there, which is the live show. And, you know, you, you throughout this interview, both of you have been talking about this really aesthetically impressive live show that gets people tweeting about it, that gets people going, oh, you have to check this amazing show out. Uh, can you can you talk about what this live show looks like that it's so darn engaging? Um, so basically, um, we created a different kind of like we created different visuals for each song. So we kind of like we had like one song had like a strobe and like we kind of like we matched it to the song, and we had like little like like music like bits and interludes in between songs it was kind of like almost like a theater it was it was a whole show like the show was like a big it was one concert so you guys really went out of your way to make sure that this live show wasn't just two people standing on a stage going how's everybody doing tonight play 10 songs take a break play five more songs and then leave you you really put some production around it the opposite no people people like the like we did a light show on the first gig and then people heard about the live show and kept coming like we we kept seeing new people after the first show she just came for the live show (laughs) that's really awesome Uh, all right so let's let's talk more about this uh this notion of word of mouth marketing and the strategy that you put together between your live shows your social media posting strategy connecting with others making the process part of your social media strategy I, I'm sure in the process of doing all this, you've you've probably built a pretty good bank of information in terms of advising others on their word of mouth marketing strategy. So when you see other musicians trying to go about word of mouth marketing and not having the success you guys have had, where do you see musicians making a lot of mistakes? Where do they tend to go wrong with their strategy? Yeah, I think they do a lot of them just do the bare minimum, and I don't think it's enough nowadays. Maybe like ten years ago. It was enough to just show up with your outfit and like, you know, day-to-day outfit, <laughs> play on an instrument and go home. And that was, you know, that was enough. But nowadays, there's so many artists out there. There's, like, there's so much competition. So you have to really like think like out of the, like outside of the box. You have to if you want to like create a name for yourself, I guess. Yeah, And I think with uh, with what's happening now in live streaming where many artists are now moving into live streaming during the pandemic and that particular sector of performances is becoming so saturated uh, it's all the more important to do something distinctive with your live stream you know if you're just getting up there playing your songs and leaving then how do you distinguish yourself from all the other folks that are live streaming right now on Twitch or YouTube or one of these platforms so what you guys are saying is whether it's a live show or a live stream you got to have something extra that makes you distinctive right 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think that's very, very important because now with the live streaming, you really see which bands have and like an entertainment value in their live shows because on your phone, you don't, you, you know, you like watch a live stream. It's not like you're drunk or in a loud place with loads of people. You really are in your home and you watch this. And if it's not super entertaining, you get bored of it really quickly. So, um, but that's in general, just a concept that we have for live show design a lot as well. We have some like stupid little thing I force Lyra to do sometimes, just our stadium test where I like, I put on, if we like write on a new song, I'll put on the song, I put on our light system, which is like powered by a projector that's projecting around and on us. And we do basically like a stadium test and we see does it work? Is it cool? Is this like also entertaining? Is this not just like a cool sounding song, but can it be like visually entertaining? Can we program something cool with the projections, the way that Lyran moves? Can we like emphasize these things? Does it flow in the set? And I feel like, yeah, this like whole new movement just makes it even more important to artists, hopefully, how important it is to actually put on a live show because in the end making music is becoming easier and easier with more electronical advancements and like developments so it's all about the live show again i guess <laughs> yeah we have to we have to have dance routines but we kind of drop them now <laughs> let's we hope we can let's hope we can bring those back that's got to be pretty exciting uh, listeners if you want to find out more about how how kai and lyron from leflair are doing interesting things with word of mouth marketing have created a distinct musical sound and are offering their fans a distinct live experience to uh, help them stay ahead. I encourage you to check out their platform, www.leflair.bandcamp.com. And that is spelled L E space F L A I R. Uh, Kai, you forgot the S. there's an S. Oh, Sorry. You you know what I did there? That's actually pretty funny. I, it is L E S F L A I R. I spelled the pronunciation that I wrote here instead of spelling the actual thing. L E S F L A I R dot bandcamp dot com. Nailed it. All right. Before we let you guys go, uh, I want to get one more excellent piece of advice to add to all the other excellent pieces of advice you guys have shared with us this week. We'll start with you, Kai, on our final question. Do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward? Well, you know, I do write a lot of like little notes in my phone. Sometimes also when I'm drunk on a night out, you know, I'll write some crazy ideas down. And my advice is really just do all those crazy ideas that are somewhere hidden in your notes. (laughs) If it is for us live performance or songs or anything, just do the craziest ideas and the most weird stuff and don't really be afraid of it. Because the worst thing is that no one talks about it, but the chance is that people will talk about it because it's pretty crazy and people shouldn't really be afraid of doing unconventional things or choosing unconventional routes because I feel like that's what it's all about at the moment. Just do really crazy, creative, weird stuff and don't care what other people say about it. Take big swings. We love that around here. Lyron, same question. Any last tips to share with our listeners? I would say just really be you. Like, I know it sounds like a cliche, but, like, just be you because that's, that's the selling point, I think, you know? Just don't try it. Don't really try to copy, like, you know, people's, like, style. And, like, do you, do your style, be as much as, 
like just be unique be yourself that that's my advice uh, i i love the insight from both of you be authentic be distinctive and that's how you can find success in this new music industry. Find out more about our guest's work by visiting leflair.bandcamp.com. And that is L-E-S-F-L-A-I-R.bandcamp.com. Uh, Kai Lyron, it has been a pleasure speaking with you this week. Thank you so much for your insight. Don't be a stranger. We'd love to have you on again real soon and to hear more about the great work you guys are putting together. Amazing. Thank you so much for having us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to the Break the Business podcast.